This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 223. I have the wonderful Dr. Perry Nicholson with me today on the show, and we are talking pain, or are we? I'm not trying to be cryptic, folks. Uh, this is a show that really uh, takes the concept of pain, the sensation of pain, the location of pain, and uh, asks us to all widen our focus to the body systems that may be hurting or inefficient that are leading to pain sensations in the first place. Um, there are so many fantastic aspects to pain that are covered today that uh, probably have less to do, the least amount to do possible with actually adjusting or popping in an acupuncture needle um, that I've ever talked about on the show. It really is about uh, looking at the emotional reasons and the bigger picture f- physical reasons that we might be experiencing pain, especially in chronic cases where things are a little less black and white. Um, you know, I think about myself as a 45-year-old tennis player who just got back into it three years ago off the back of chronic uh, inflammation from mold. And uh, just thought I'd be playing like I was 20 again. Now, if I reach too far to the left on a cold day without a good warm up and I put my back out, yes, I can go to the chiropractor and just get that popped back in and uh, the inflammation will settle and I do my ice and heat variations and I'm good in two days. What I'm talking about is the story of pain that is far more chronic, far more uh, debilitating and just doesn't seem to want to leave us. I have members of my family who experience this. I know people in the Low Tox Club were talking about it recently. Uh, shout out to Amy for voicing your pain uh, story, which when I saw it in the club uh, group the other day, which of course you can join the Low Tox Club anytime, just hit lowtoxlife.com, hit the explore tab, join the club is the very first option there. Uh, when you shared that, Amy, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm interviewing Dr. Perry this week. I'm totally going to share this as a case study because I think the way he looks at pain, the way he investigates the um, emotional aspects of pain, the systems in the body that might be impaired uh, that are hindering recovery and healing uh, is going to be hugely beneficial to so many people with chronic uh, issues. So uh, Perry, first and foremost, is a chiropractic physician. He's very passionate about performance enhancement, corrective exercise, metabolic fitness nutrition, uh, has trained in addictionology and compulsive disorders. He has expertise in myofascial, orthopedic, medical and trigger point soft tissue therapy. So And that's not actually even all, you know, he has studied so broadly to come at pain in the way that he does. And I would urge anybody who is listening today 
whose curiosity is peaked. Maybe you've experienced pain for a long time. Maybe you've experienced some sort of chronic condition. You just want shift. You want change. You want to move forward in a way that tells a new story. I couldn't recommend following at Stop Chasing Pain on Instagram enough. Uh, he shares a wealth of information. You see him do uh, uh, sort of like manipulation techniques for increasing blood flow, all sorts of cool stuff um, on Instagram. It's a very generous platform and he runs that uh, himself. So when you're talking on Stop Chasing Pain, you are talking to Dr. Perry. Uh, he is a man who isn't without a, a past history in hardship and pain, uh, obesity as a teenager, um, and everything that emotionally accompanies being overweight for a period of time in one's life, also experienced uh, physical pain during his bodybuilding years. So he comes at this with a personal and professional approach, and I think the compassion one feels as a teacher and uh, healer when one has experienced hardships of their own. Uh, while we don't necessarily need to experience hardship to lead or to train, help, teach, support, uh, kind of like you don't need to have had a child to be a great doctor supporting women through pregnancy and birth. At the same time, there is a unique flavor to what you can bring uh, um, from the compassion story. And I really love how that plays out for Perry. You can hear it when he speaks. So it's a very free-flowing conversation. We kind of, uh, you know, knowing how wide he likes to take it, I really wanted us to go down some of those rabbit holes uh, explore quite philosophically um, the concept of pain. And uh, there are definitely some nuggets along the way. And as I said, just start following him on Insta because you'll start to pick up some really, really great uh, information every week. Uh, pain is a request for change is something he says a lot. And it just comes back to that old adage, doesn't it? You know, if you want something different, why do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result? It ain't going to happen. So uh, I hope this conversation, this interview uh, helps you move the needle if this is a topic applicable to you. Um, but I would think this is applicable to everyone, given how wide reaching um, the subject matter is today uh, in terms of systems of the body, detoxification, metabolism, Um uh, I, I just, yeah, I think it's great information for us all to be aware of and know so that we can be more aware as we travel through life, perhaps when something is requesting us to change. So um, I'm going to hook into that conversation in just a little minute, but as February is ticking forward, we don't have long left to have you make the most of the complete home filtration offer that is with us through the month of Feb to the second, uh, to the end of the first week of March. Uh, for all the Aussies out there, I know so many people in the low tox community who have been very interested in making the switch to a whole house water system, uh, for filtration and, uh, you can do that this month and you'll get 20% off. And on top of the 20% off, you will also receive a free set of filter refills uh, valued at either $199 for the whole system or $300 for the premium system. Uh, give the guys at Complete Home Filtration a buzz or contact them via their Facebook page. CompleteHomeFiltration.com.au is their website. Uh, their Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash premium water, premium water Australia. 
and all you have to do is mention Low Tox Life and the podcast, and uh, that'll get you rolling with being eligible for the offer. And to just give you a little idea, I know a lot of people have asked, but how much is it? I don't want to call before I know how much it is. Uh, Every house is different. I mean, you could be in a little two-bedroom unit or you could be on uh, 80 acres of land with a 10-bedroom property. You could be somewhere in between. You could have different stories, you know, two, three-level houses, or you could have a Californian bungalow. There's so many different variations that they don't really like to lead with price. And I understand that's really, um, it really is about having a chat and having a quote. You are not going to be pressured into anything. No one's going to be mean and nasty and make you make decisions that you can't afford. But to give you an idea, some of the top benchtop water filter systems are around a thousand to $1,200, some of them even into the multiple thousands. Um, and, uh, complete home filtration tends to generally be in the very low thousands, uh, to give you an idea. And there's a big ballpark, uh, there, you know, a huge, um, sort of window of normal of a couple of grand depending on your unique situation. So if this is something you wanted for a while, if you're sick of your kids getting itchy and, um, hivey in the bath from the chlorine, Um, and you're getting those little red spots on your skin after a shower. Uh, If you want beautiful, clean water that doesn't have pesticide runoff or bugs that might be um, affecting the water where you live uh, or metals, um, where you sit on the fluoride debate, you know, all of that stuff, you can chat to the guys at Complete Home Filtration and see what's going to work for you. I urge you to do so while this 20% is on, because if you find that it is in your budget, then this is the time to make the most of it. Uh, In WA, New South Wales and Queensland, that is where they can come and do water tests and service and install themselves. But in the other states and territories, you can actually just uh, work with the complete home filtration guys and then use a local um, installation plumbing service. So you don't have to miss out just because you're not in one of those states. Enjoy that offer and enjoy this groundbreaking conversation on pain, but kind of not on pain with Dr. Perry Nicholson. Enjoy, guys. Perry, good morning. How are you? Hi, I'm wonderful. Good morning to you. Or it's almost evening for me here. And yeah, I know uh, you're just kicking back at the end of the day and we're getting started. So that's the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to say a huge thank you this morning, specifically, Perry, because I woke up and it's not often that I have to do a podcast this early. And I (laughs) thought it could be just as easy for me to say, you know what, I could skip my mobility and stability work this morning that I do every morning um, because it's early, you know, and I thought... I am not talking to Dr. Perry without having done my mobility and stability work this morning. So you, my friend, my new friend, are the one who got me going this morning. So thank you. Oh, you're wonderful. I love it. Well, I'm so glad that that you did. Yeah, those small, I call them LTAS, little tiny action steps, basic and fundamentals. I mean, they can make all the difference. Yeah. 100%. Well done. Thank you. Bravo. As a 45-year-old tennis player, if I don't do them, I know. So, yeah, it's uh, very, very important to me. Well, you know what? It really does start your day off a certain way. There's a ritual that I do in the morning every day as well, and it's just because. Oh, what is it? Can you take us through? 
yeah, I, absolutely. So, uh, well, one, I hydrate first thing in the morning with, with water and I drink it with, with fulvic and humic minerals, which are basically trace minerals, otherwise known as liquid earth. Yep. <laughs> that I do that. And I do my own type of uh, lymphatic work in the morning where I stimulate six primary regions of the body. And uh, I do uh, some little bit of Qigong that takes me, which is, um, you know, Eastern medicine type movements for about uh, a minute. And then I practice a lot of Eastern type medicine and I do what they call organ breathing. So that's where you breathe a very specific way and make different sounds as you breathe, concentrating on the organs of your body as I am exposed to a, a, a red light. Mm-hmm. So it takes me, it, it sounds like it takes a long time, but it actually <laughs> does not. It's just a, a few moments of the day, but it makes all the difference in the world. That's, yeah. that's my ritual. I love it. And I think anything new sounds complicated, too hard. I can't do that. That sounds like it takes forever. But as you say, like once you actually start the practice. Well, um, you build up to that. So what happens is that can sound overwhelming to people. And I've worked to that as well. So some of the things that I teach is just start with one thing. And when you start with that, you start to say, hey, wow, you know what? I actually, that was easy, first of all. And then you become empowered and you start to feel different. And then you say to yourself, maybe I can add a second thing here. And then you work up to that. So that's how you do it. You don't do it all in one shot. And especially those, because honestly, those are some of the most powerful things that you can do to uh, stimulate um, elimination of waste and detoxification from your system and increase blood flow. And a lot of people can't handle that all at once. Mm, and you're so passionate about bringing the conversation around pain forward to relate to these things that are often huge roadblocks to relieving chronic pain. And so given we want to go right into that today, I would love to first sort of I guess I'd love to ask you what your relationship to pain is on a very personal level, because often people end up doing things to heal and support others because of a, a very confronting uh, situation in their own lives. Did that happen to you or were you just always curious about the human body? How, how does pain play out in your life? Kind of a little bit of both. I mean, I was drawn to healthcare where I got my my degree to practice in healthcare in chiropractic, but I don't really do that so much anymore. So, because people ask me, what do you do? And I don't say chiropractor because you have this mental image of what you think it is. Yeah, crack, crack, and, and off you go and see you next week. And yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's based on your own experience or the experience that somebody else told you about. And I'm like, I can guarantee you that I'm doing stuff you've probably never seen before. That I can guarantee you. So I got into it from that, but I explored from that starting point. And I got into it because I got injured training. I was into bodybuilding a lot when I was younger and I had a lot of injuries and they put me back together. And I said, I would like to do that for others. But my, my journey into what I know now and what I teach now was developed through more pain and suffering that everybody gets. I mean, that's, that's part of being a human being, you're going to have pain and you're going to have difficulty and you're going to have suffering. You cannot avoid it. It just depends on what lessons you learn from it or how you you come to use 
your awareness of what you learned from that, which is not always easy. So, you know, my journey is uh, really experiencing um, a lot of pain, uh, a lot of suffering. And I personally believe that it's really the only truest teacher of all. And that usually changes your direction or your path in some way, shape or form, right? That it's either your own suffering, but honestly, your path can change because of the suffering of someone else in your life that you care about. There's a lot of people that change their ways. It's sort of like people that do way more for their pet than they'll ever do for themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with, with, your, with your loved one or your children, right? That, that yeah. can be the catalyst for that. And so, because if, if you're comfortable, there's no reason to change mm. because you're comfortable. Yeah. And, you know, so the universe has a way of sending you in a direction with pain and suffering. It, we don't always see it in the moment. We don't always accept it in the moment. But I can tell you from my own experience and after speaking with a lot of other human beings that have been through very difficult times, I haven't had one yet tell me that they weren't grateful in some way for that suffering because it, it opened their eyes to something that they never would have ever focused on before. Right. And then, and part of that ability to move on and use what you've been through to change another person's life is gratitude. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't agree more. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As you say, um, I saw this on one of your posts late last year, pain is a request for change. Simple. Yes, I post that up all the time. I did it this morning on Instagram. And I've studied pain a lot, being, first of all, suffering from it. And, and two, being in the world of healthcare and trying to help people in chronic pain. And plus, science and psychology and medicine is always learning more about pain and what we thought pain was. And so that's something that's a passion of mine, but it's a big rabbit hole too. Like, I mean, Huge. it's so, what is pain? That's like mm. saying, what is God? I mean, it really is like that. Yeah, I don't massive. know where to start, but yeah, <laughs> just the very word of pain, the word itself can kick off a lot of um, your emotional reaction and your physical reaction is just from the word because language is extremely powerful in healing and sickness. And I thought to myself, well, anytime that you are in pain, it's usually bringing your attention to something, whether you want it to or not. And sometimes that attention is a light tap on the shoulder. And sometimes it's a punch in the face. Like it, Depends, but the greater the pain, usually the more intense the lesson you're going to get from it. Oh, and so you'll usually have to change something in order to decrease the pain or eliminate the pain. And it's, it's really just that simple. Like it's a request uh, from your body to change something. And then that's where we as human beings overcomplicate it. And then we ask, change what? And then my answer is yes. Like, I don't care what it is. Like, you just need to do something different than what you're doing now. And sometimes it's very, very simple. Sometimes it's just a matter of being aware that you can change something. Mm -hmm. Even how you you view what pain is. 
is a change, right? And mm. because one of the well, that's where I the say, psychology piece comes in, right? Well, there's always psychology and relationship to pain. That's mm. what makes us human, mm. right? And the solution doesn't have to be complicated to work, and effective things don't have to be complicated. But it seems in the world of healthcare or medicine or pain, we like to complicate it because it, uh, humans just like to do that. <laughs> we, we have a tendency to think that something means more is more valuable if it's complicated. And I'm like, it's actually the other way around. Mm. Because if you can make something simple, it's very difficult to do that. So I know if somebody can make something simple, they truly understand it. Even Einstein said that. He said any, any, any person can make something difficult. That's easy to do. It's truly understanding something where he, I think he said, if you can explain it to a five-year-old, then I know you understand it. Oh, right? That's so true. I, I'm writing my second book on um, uh, agriculture and uh, farming in relation to climate change. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I just feel like we have so overcomplicated food for humans and for planetary health. And the way I describe it to a five-year-old is you need lots of plants and animals together to create healthy, robust ecosystems. And therefore, we need to eat lots of plants and animals together uh, to create our own healthy internal ecosystems. Um, and, you know, and then you see all the rabbit holes of synthetic meats and solar-powered factories and plant-based nuggets and with 20 ingredients and all this stuff you just think it's really just not that complicated and so I feel like as I was listening to you it is really the art of simplification and yet the difficulty in the human accepting how simple sometimes things are because we're just so used to complicated we crave complication for a sense of purpose we do. I mean, I love that, that you, how you said that. I mean, check the wind box there for mm. sure. Mm. And one of the things that, you know, pain is a request for change, right? You need to change your behavior. Well, one of the things that prevents behavior change is making something too complicated. Mm. Because you get overwhelmed and you don't know where to start and you get into overload and you just shut down. So you actually sabotage yourself because you overcomplicate it. And sometimes overcomplicating something just means that you're actually doing too many things, mm. right? Yeah. So even too many simple things will get complicated. And <laughs> so so that's why you have to start off slow and easy in relationship to uh, changing your pain or changing your habits. So the longer I do this stuff that I'm alive on this planet and I treat people in chronic pain is I'm not necessarily treating pain. I mean, I am, but I'm, I'm, ultimately treating and, and helping a human being that's experiencing pain. So you mm. need to clarify that. Yeah. But my, my goal is to help them uh, change their behavior. And when you say, way- when you say behavior, uh, emotional healing and physical healing often go together, obviously. Um, how do you see that play out for people? Like how do you help people realize that often their chronic pains are linked to something quite deep emotionally because a lot of people see pain as such a surface thing, quite a black and white thing. Like I get an adjustment or I take a painkiller and then it goes. 
it's not easy to do, honestly. And you yeah. got to be ready to, you have to be ready to see it. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Okay. So I've, I've been doing this long enough that I know I just can't say that because yeah, um, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Right. It, mm. It's like uh, suffering has a way of opening that door for you which means that the longer you're in pain, the longer you suffer, the more things you've tried and what is supposed to have worked doesn't work. Or they say, we can't find anything on your blood work or your test results, or it's all in your head. I'm like, that's probably the most correct thing that they've said to date because everything's in your head. But when you get to that point, then you're open to things like um, emotion connecting to uh, pain. And, and I wasn't even at a point where I was ready to accept that early on either, because I was very, you know, uh, what you might quote scientific based, whatever that means. And then your, your research base and evidence base. And I just was like frou-frou at one point, but I didn't grasp it until I had a lot of suffering. And I was in that situation where I went through all of that, what I just said of tried everything and I'm at rock bottom and then I'm like, oh, it's it's honestly like the movie The Matrix. I've just looked over and I saw everything that's always been there because it's always been there. It's just whether you're ready to see it or not. And when you see it, you cannot unsee it. And that's the power of what makes us unique as human beings is that we can change our physiology based on our thought process. Right. Because it goes the other way around. Your physiology can influence your thought process, which means that if I don't have enough oxygen and I eat sugar all the time, I'm going to affect blood flow to my brain and I'm not going to be able to think right. Mm. But it also is like even if I have all the things that I need, that's when my choices and my my thought process, but I can choose that. So it's a two way street. Yeah. So that's why my work has led me to this, that I, the human body is always trying to heal you. Your body never stops fighting for you. Even though you feel like it's falling apart and you begin to have this adversarial relationship with it because it hurts all the time. And that's normal. But everything that it's doing is doing for a reason of protection, which is very hard for people to grasp, especially when you've been suffering a long time. And it, it can, it does its best with what it has in the moment to work with. So what I began to understand, to look at is like, maybe it's struggling to get better because it, it just doesn't have what it needs to get better. Right. And then that's where some of those habits or behaviors or things that can make a difference. Like, listen, if you're dehydrated and you're not drinking enough water, you're not going to get well. I don't care what I do for you. Like I can give you the biggest trick in the world or whatever and take something out of you that's not supposed to be there. But if you are not hydrated, you're going to struggle to heal because your cells need water. And that's a simple thing, right? And most of the people on this earth are dehydrated. Wow. Most. Yes. Even if you drink a lot of water, it doesn't mean you're hydrated at all. Like, so help someone understand the difference between drinking a lot of water and, and how you can still be dehydrated. So let's use three words, intake, absorption, and metabolism, metabolize. There are three different things. Like I can intake food and I can intake water, 
That's if I'm lucky. A lot of people can't do that, right? Because they live in an environment where they don't have fresh water or they take in food, they don't get food. Or if they do take in food, they can only take in awful food because it's all they can afford perhaps, which you might see in low income areas that I'd love to eat organic food, but it costs me $15 for an avocado when I can get a cheeseburger for 99 cents. If I'm yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of cultural and socioeconomic things that go with that. But so if I put it in my mouth, then once it goes in, then the body has to absorb it. And don't automatically assume because it goes in and it gets absorbed. It has to get absorbed primarily through your gut. Right? And, and most people have a gut that's utterly destroyed <laughs> from toxins and stress and having bad choices that they've had in the past. And then stuff leaks through the gut. It's called leaky gut syndrome or malabsorption syndrome is a medical term for it, where nutrients are supposed to go through your gut that's how you get absorbed them, but you're not supposed to get big, huge, giant food particles that leak out there. And it, it, even healthy food that breaks through your gut lining like that, your immune system, you'll get inflamed even from healthy food. So you're already not going to be able to absorb what you put in there. Same thing with water, right? And then let's say, for instance, that you are able to absorb it. Well, then it has to get to the cell, right? And once it gets to the cell, then the cell has to be able to metabolize it. It has to use it. And in order to use it, it needs a lot of stuff, particularly enzymes. And enzymes don't work without minerals. Hence why I take minerals every day. Because if you're missing one mineral, you're in big trouble, Buster, for healing. And most people on this earth don't have enough minerals because the soils are depleted of nutrients and they eat crappy food. And stress depletes minerals. And I think the world is under a little bit of stress. So then you, then you would metabolize it, all right? Which is a three-step process. You have to have the first two before you get to the third. But even if you do metabolize it, you're going to use it, correct? Then if the cells use it, then they release the waste after they've used it. It's kind of like when you eat, then you go to the bathroom and you flush the toilet. That's, that's how it works. You, every single one of your cells does the same thing. And it basically creates waste. Well, that waste has to get out too. And you have organ systems that do that. You, know, you go pee, you go poo. You breathe, you sweat you know, through your skin, all those things. So most of your organs are designed to eliminate stuff out of you. That's why they're there. If anything goes wrong with that process, then the waste stays where? Inside of you. And then when the waste stays inside of you, guess what happens? Then you actually lose the ability to absorb and metabolize other things that you put inside. So you need both. But what I find is that everybody tries to throw stuff in, mm -hmm. but they got too many things already stuck inside that can't get out. Yeah. So let's talk about detoxification then, because that is huge and metabolism in the cells. I think we start with metabolism in the cells because we're right there. 
Um, but I'm very keen to then move on to uh, lymph and blood flow because the things that you share there are things that not a lot of oh, people are talking about. Those are the two about. big things. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's the base of the iceberg mm. right there. Mm -hmm. The stuff nobody looks at. That's yeah. the uh, underneath. That's deep. That's why you're here, Doc. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so cell metabolism how do we improve the waste cycle yeah so most like i said most of your body is designed to eliminate the toxins and then people always ask me what's a toxin i'm like everything mm. You know, even when you put, so we know what toxins are. It's the stuff that's in the environment that's mostly man-made that you probably wouldn't want anything to do with if you knew what was actually in it. Yeah. Most of it's the food that you eat or, you know, from agriculture, it's what we spray on it. Mm, personal care. Or, yeah. The whole shebang. Or you go in your car and you got the air freshener or you sit yeah. in a new car. You got barrage with a couple hundred chemicals that, you know, are just yeah. awful. So that's there. But you also have to remember that even when you take in healthy food, it uses that food and then it creates waste. So that becomes toxic. Mm. So cellular waste from your body doing what it's designed to do can become toxic. Every time you breathe, you create toxicity. It's called oxidative stress. Mm. So exhaling. So that's the amount of carbon dioxide that you have in your system. That's why breathing is so important. So everybody's toxic, I don't, you know, everybody is. And so it just depends on um, how efficiently you can get rid of toxins compared to how fast you're letting them in, mm. right? It's kind of like yeah. this leak, you're filling up a bucket that I can't dump yeah, You gotta out. put a hole in the bottom, yeah. But it's going in, so it's both. You need to decrease your toxicity and then also help improve detoxification. But toxins don't have to be physical. Toxins, some of the most toxic things you'll ever do to your body is what you think about yourself or what you think about the world or how you think about the world because your mindset frames your physiology. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if, you, if you're angry and you're bitter and you're alone, you're going to get sick and you're going to die faster than somebody who's not. I mean, that's just a given. That's just based on research. It doesn't mean that if you're happy and joyful and you have a mate that you're not going to get sick either. It goes both ways, right? But your chances drastically improve of a not going the other way. So I read a quote one time that really stuck with me. Let's see if I can remember it. Is it um, positive thinking might not work, but negative thinking definitely will. Mm, I like it. I'll take my chances with the percentages on the positive, even yeah. if it's 1%, right? right there and with you, you know that yeah. the sicker you are and the more awareness you have of how your body reacts to your thought processes is when you'll experience how your physiology changes based on your thought process. Mm. And I know people experience it every day. All you got to do is go on Facebook for five minutes and I guarantee you that you're going to experience the stress state. Mm. Right? Right. Yeah. Huge. So you can't you can't avoid toxins. Mm. You can't avoid stress. 
what what you can do is the proverbial change your reaction to it and your perception of it and then helping improve the playing field of how your body will begin to react to it mm-hmm. and one very much thing like that was the um the, the hydration right yeah but that's why i take minerals with it because it's very difficult for your body to absorb just regular plain water because there's no plain water in your body anywhere. It no. There's something no. in it. Well, if, right? if water's coming out of the side of a hill in a spring, it's not plain water. No, no there's earth in it, right? <laughs> yeah, and exactly. It, so it's, it's magnetic already because mm. we're a big spinning magnet in the middle of the universe. But um, yeah, so all those things are, are play uh, factors into that. So mm-hmm. it, there's so many different things that go into uh, how you manage that stress that's coming out. And here's something I read that was quite interesting the other day was perspective is that when you're really, really toxic, right? You have a lot of stuff inside of you that's not supposed to be in there, especially in a, cause you're mostly fluid, mm. right? And if you're full of fluid and you put a lot of stuff in the fluid, the fluid gets thicker, right? Like yep. the viscosity, because you throw more stuff into it. It's like if I had like a container of water, I just kept throwing stuff into it. The viscosity of the water is going to end up changing. And then that's what you're living in. And one of the ways that your, your body is really, really smart is it tries to change the viscosity of the water, it tries to dilute the mess. One way that it can dilute the mess is to swell the container. So what it does is it keeps the water in between the cells, not in it, in the cells. So what happens is that's why you drink the water and it doesn't go in because your body says, I have to keep the water outside the cells here because otherwise you're going to die. Like really, that's what it's saying. Because if you don't do that, you will die within 48 hours. If your lymphatic system stops working, you're dead like pretty fast. So your body sacrifices the container for ultimate protection. And another way that it tries to detoxify you, one of the biggest detoxification organs in your body is body fat. So you'll hold on to body fat when you're extremely toxic. So it's not so much that you're fat because you have poor willpower. It's fat because you're just really toxic inside of the body from your biochemistry. And it's a fat is an organ and it's a toxin storage organ. Yeah. That's what the body does. Listen, the body never does anything without a reason, even though we don't know why. It might not make sense to us and it might seem absolutely crazy, but to the body, it's useful. And it does it because it's useful. It doesn't do anything by accident ever, never. So you have to step back and ask the body, can you tell me why you're doing what you're doing? First of all, I know why you're doing it. You're doing it to help me and to protect me. So thank you for that. If you can just reframe it that way, you're off to a good start. And then it might just give you the answer because I don't know about you, but if you've ever tried to establish a nice relationship with another person, if you've gotten up in their face and you're angry and you're mad and you're (laughs) resentful, you're not going to get very far. 
So why in the world would your own cells be any different? They mm-hmm. won't. I mean, I wouldn't want anything to do with you either. Yeah. So that that is huge in relationship to your own recovery because how you think changes your physiology and your biology. And I use this phrase all the time. It says, you cannot get well in the same environment that you became ill within. And I'm going to repeat that one more time. You cannot get well in the same environment that you became ill within. What environment? External? Could be. Yeah. And if you ask me, the internal is even more important. Mm. Right? And that you have a lot of control over both. You actually have total control of the inward, the inside, with your thought processes. Um, And then you have the outside as well. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, it's, um, it's, it's tricky because I, I was just thinking about a person listening to this who's had a sore neck for five years going, okay, well, when are you going to get to the point where you tell me what to do about my neck? <laughs> like I can see how this would be super frustrating for people to try and understand these concepts for the very first time. But at the same time, it's an invitation to get started, right? And so let's let's put this into a context, right? So when I say you know pain is emotion, pain is inside, doesn't mean pain's not real. Pain is if you think pain's real, it's real. Like you know, I'm not. I don't deny that people are hurting, and sometimes, listen, stuff just gets broken, and we don't know why it hurts or it gets caught in this what with this what they call this loop where it it just feeds on itself and people can get to a point where they can get better, but they might not be able to get all the way completely out of pain. Uh, But I firmly believe that you can continue to make some changes in pain because sometimes you have um, damage to the body that might be um, physical, but that's a slippery slope because They've proven through science and research that the amount of damage you have physically to tissue doesn't correlate to the amount of pain you experience at all. There's zero correlation. So that means that somebody can have a trash neck on an MRI or an X-ray and you tell them that and they're like, well, thanks for letting me know. Can I go run now? Thanks. They don't don't feel anything. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. You would think that, dude, how are you actually moving? (laughs) I don't know, but I'm good. And then you have somebody else that can't move and they don't find anything. Mm. So you have to really keep that in mind that tissue damage does not equate to pain or the level of pain at all. And that's where it can be dangerous as well in a, a mindset of healing, because when we see something like that, we automatically say that's the cause mm. and it might not be, but you won't let it go. You, you say that's it, no matter what. Which and again then puts it in your mind. It, yeah. And so it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because they've yeah. done things where they go in and they've actually performed. They did it on a knee. They did a research study where they brought people in who had knee uh, tears, I think on a meniscus or issue. And then so- Oh, was the- this the, the fake surgery 
Yeah, Are you so they actually, actually got done. Yeah, actually, they they did an incision, but they didn't do anything when they were there. Yeah, and then the person came out and said, "This feels way better," and they're like, "I didn't do anything, mm. right?" But you you thought that they did. Mm. Right? That that's that that quote unquote fake surgery that you, that you said. That's that flip of the the lens and your perception. Mm. So I see that a lot in areas that here, right? But it's not always the case, okay? Because not everybody's the same, but that's where stop chasing pain came from. Yeah. Stop chasing pain does not say stop treating pain. Mm-hmm. It says stop chasing it. Yeah. So I'm always going to treat where it hurts because that's where you expect me to treat. So I do it more for your benefit than for mine. Because if I don't do it, then you're going to think, first of all, that I'm out of my mind and that doesn't make <laughs> sense because you're not ready for it yet. I mean, I've been studying this stuff for 20 years and sometimes I still have to remember it. Mm. So, but, so that's about perception as well. But I'm going to say it's probably not your neck. So that means I'm going to look somewhere else. So I'm not, I'm not going to chase the neck all the time and then try this and try. You can do the, excuse me, you can do those things because if something's not working, you need to change it up. But if you've exhausted a lot of different avenues and it's still there, well, then you're obligated to explore the possibilities of being somewhere else. And when that gets exhausted, then you need to look at the possibility of it being more of a in the mindset or the emotional one. And then when you get trained in this and you learn how to communicate with people and listen to people and watch their language and watch their movement and watch their behaviors, I can tell you right out of the gate whether it's an emotion that's driving it or not. Uh, there's always an emotional component to any physical injury in the body. That's what makes you a human being and not a rock. And sometimes it doesn't have to be a big emotional trauma to the body. It can be small, but it made a lasting impact on your life in some way, shape, or form. And it can be something that's been, that you thought was inconsequential in your life, but that's the carrier. So trauma doesn't have to be big to change your life. Oh, I so agree. Like I was just talking about this with Dr. Beth O'Hara from um, Mast Cell 360 a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it's more about the imprint that it makes than the trauma itself that is experienced. So one child who experiences uh, like a... Um, a really scary situation with a snake, let's say, where they didn't end up being in danger at all, but it really terrified them. And maybe the adults around them were super terrified. So they got their cues of emotional response from them. Um, And that person can feel a level of trauma that you would maybe equate to a child growing up in a war zone. And yet it can be the same imprint. Um, physiologically and mentally in terms of the, f- the feelings and emotional response that, that those experiences invoked, which is crazy because you would think, oh, thank God, that's the only bad thing that happened to you. You should be grateful. But one still needs to work on how someone was imprinted by something, regardless of what that thing was, right? Yeah, I agree 100% that that's mm. okay. You know, we're we're hardwired. Hard 
to uh, our experiences are based on our observation of prior experiences, mm -hmm. but the reaction of people around us. All you got to do is watch a kid fall. First yeah. thing they do is look up and see if mom and dad, was it bad or not bad? Should I cry or not cry? I mean, it's like- hundred percent. You get your cues from that. And that's also why a lot of people can be locked into chronic pain because, you know, some people don't know who they are without it, or they get the social acceptance that they need because they're in pain and they get the attention. Now that sounds like it would be insane, but I'm like, unless you're there, you, you, you can't relate to that. Right. So one of the biggest fears for a human being is to be alone from a survival standpoint, a threat standpoint, because in nature, if you're alone, you're dead pretty fast. Right. So you need community, you need support, you need acceptance, you need validation. A lot of times you'll get that through pain. Wow. That makes sense? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because sure you got that, you know, you can always use that. Mm. Right? So there's a lot of, there's a whole big jambalaya of soup that goes in with why somebody has pain. So it's very individual. Mm -hmm. it, that's why it's extremely difficult to give somebody what we call cookie cutter protocols that are the same for everyone. And, you know, I can't give you the same knee program that I give somebody else, even though you have the same diagnosis or uh, whatever they say, you tore your meniscus. Yeah, presentation. There's certain, mm. there's certain standards of protocol that I would do because you got to start somewhere. But you can have drastically different outcomes, even though I'm doing the same exact therapy, mm. right? And then what's the difference between the knees? I mean, anatomically, they seem the same, right? And that's where the surgeon comes in. Bada bing, bada boom, I do what I need to do. And then that's where somebody like me takes over. Mm. But then that's where you have to say, you know what? That tissue is completely different because it's had a different life attached to it. Mm. Wow. So you have to take that into consideration. That's where the human being comes into play mm -hmm. on that. And so I, a lot, because I'm on social media a lot and, you know, I, people seek help from me and they, send me a question saying, doc, I've got a shoulder pain or I got this pain, you know, what exercises can I do or what can I do? And then I have to express to them is that I can't tell you that I'd love to, but I can't because I don't know enough about you. Mm. And I have to see how you move and the things you say to me and with your history. So I've purposely designed my, when I treat clients now, uh, of where I spend a lot of time with you on the initial session, which is not always easy for people to do in the healthcare field. And that's one of the issues that I have with healthcare is that there's just, you know, you got 10 minutes to work with something and you got to move to the next. And it, 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 it's not a model that is uh, formulated around chronic pain, which is one of the reasons why we still have so much of it, I think. So I spend, I spend 90 minutes with you. And is this your core 
for system evaluation approach? Uh, it's a lot of different things. So, okay. you know, I, ha- I have many different systems that I do together and the system changes based on my conversation with you. Uh, but sometimes on that first session, I mean, I won't, I won't do any type of physical examination for sometimes an hour. Like I'm just going to talk to you because the, the client will usually give me the answer before I put my hands on them. And then my examination is to kind of rule out or substantiate what I think that it is. Cause I, it's all about your history and your communication and stuff that happened to you prior in the, in the past. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, l- let me give you like an, ex- an example. Somebody called me, I did an online consultation with someone this week and they had a fall on their skateboard. They were a pretty accomplished athlete and had a fall on their skateboard. And then they began to experience some issues, you know, the, about a week later, and then they got all sorts of any type of care you can possibly think of, like bang, bump, bump, you know, like all this stuff. And they said it's it's helping, but it's not really sticking. And they mm-hmm. felt like something was missing. And, and that's because they were just chasing symptoms. And symptoms are just reactions to an initial insult. So you have to get the story of the initial insult. And then all I did was ask him, I want you to tell me everything you can remember about the fall. That's all I want to talk about is the fall. And then they gave me my answer. So I had to go back and just ask a few more questions. Right. And, and then, you know, okay, well, we need to go here. And for him, it turned it out being he had a fall. He got a little bit of an impact to his uh, head. So he affected the ability for him to move his eyes with his inner ear balance system in his head. And so his whole right side hurt all day long. So you can't just treat his right side because that's not going to fix anything. You had to help him with his eyes and his ear, his balance. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he can get better. So that's that's a cue of looking at the whole body, looking at the whole system, but really beginning to put the puzzle piece together before you just jump on in with your treatments because – Listen, treating where pain hurts is not difficult at all. Mm. I mean, you can do anything to it because all of those things work in some way, shape or form because everything works for someone. That's the dirty little secret. Yeah. But does it make a lasting difference? Yes or no? Yeah, right? that's the, that's the so, ticket, right? Can I, can I share something? Um, yeah, it's just like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, uh, Amy, one of our um, Lotox Club members, uh, shared this update the other day and she was just putting a call out to the community. I thought, I am interviewing someone that I can, I can help, uh, help you with on this, Amy. And uh, he, here he goes, hey, gang, I have a neck pain, specifically on my right side, my neck for years, on and off. It's really horrible. It gives me headaches, really knocks me about at times to the point where I can't even function. I have tried many treatments, chiro, physio, osteo, acupuncture, but nothing fixes it and it always comes back. At present, I see the chiro regularly. I do Pilates to try and improve things. I don't seem to be getting to the root cause of the problem. The pain comes and goes for no obvious reason, like I haven't strained myself or injured myself. I am now convinced that this is solely the result of stress or emotional issues, but I just don't know how to get to the bottom of it. Has anyone experienced something similar and have a suggestion for me? 
Um, and this is a common story, right? You would see this all the time. Yeah, well, you know, that's a big breakthrough for that person. Huge, yeah. Part of the way you're going to heal yourself is to have more awareness of your power to do so, but awareness of uh, your body, right? And, and the first part of becoming more aware is realizing that you've been unaware, right? And then you can journey down that road. But that's, that's a classic story of where you've done so much like to a particular region or because they usually they'll attack the neck with a lot of different types of treatments and they're, they're all beneficial. Right. Um, but if they're, if they're not sticking, you, you need to think more globally, but then you need to think of maybe there's other possibilities uh, that, that I'm not even considering like one being the emotional one. Cause I think that, we've lost the appreciation for just how miraculous and resilient the human body is at healing. And we think that you have to be stuck with this chronic pain or tiredness or fatigue. And I'm here to tell you that I don't believe that, especially if you keep asking questions and digging a little bit deeper to find something, you know, doesn't mean you're going to get rid of it. But if you can make a lasting difference in something for a while or change that quality of something. So the last thing I'm going to do is keep hammering on your neck. So I've, I've been able to learn a lot through the way I approach things because when you come to see me for help, I'm not the first checkbox. I'm not the first person you see. I'm the last person you see. Like you've tried a lot of everything else almost to a point of exhaustion by the time you ring me up and I've designed it that way. So here's, that's a beautiful thing for me is that I already know you've probably had every test that you've needed to see what's going on. Cause I need to make sure your neck doesn't hurt because there's not a cancer in your spine. You follow? I have to check those boxes. And I know they've done exercise or ultrasound or laser and you're like, it's not any better. So then what I tell them is that I'm going to not, I'm not going to do any of that stuff. Zero. Because if it's what you needed, you wouldn't be standing in front of me asking me to look at you. I'm going to automatically do something different. And the first thing I'm going to do different is not look at your neck because honestly, my hands are no more magical than somebody else's because your hands only work as well as your thought process works. So if I stick my hands in the wrong spot, I don't care what I do. It's not going to fix it. And it's the same thing with, you know, my ultrasound unit is no more magical than yours. (laughs) So I'm going to look somewhere else and uh, I'll, I'll look for where I think it might be. And then I'll do an intervention on that and I'll see what your response is. So I, I don't believe in therapeutic failures. Gotcha. I, I believe yep. in, it gives me information all the time. It's more elimination than a failure. It's so, like, yeah, okay. I have to frame it yeah. that way. So mm-hmm. I have to frame it that way because you know, everybody is so afraid of something not working but they can also be afraid of something working that's going to change what they used to had because sometimes, sometimes things get worse before they get better, which is very often the course of healing. 
Mm. And that's very terrifying for somebody who's had something for a long time because they get a lot of anxiety with with change. Oh, I know that 100%. Yeah. There's a SIRS, um, I've had chronic inflammatory response yeah. so syndrome from mold. So you can be very anxious when something gets worse because you're like, that I never wanted to feel that way again. And it can really bring up some very painful stuff. Exactly. And then that can slow down the healing process because you're feeding this anxiety, stress response, response. So when I talk to people, I say that, you know, if we do something and it doesn't work, that's really good news. And they go, what? And I go, <laughs> yeah, because that tells us what we're not, what, we, what you don't need. But I'm going to check that box off and I'm going to put it over here because I don't have to worry about it. Right. And then I'm going to say, okay, well, then I'm going to do something and you might get worse. And I'm like, that's awesome too. Because now I know you have the capability to change and we're probably on the right track. So either way, I'm, I'm settling down their, their anxiety on things, right? For them to know that it's okay either way, right? And usually you'll, you'll find an answer when you start to look outside of where pain is because pain doesn't tell you a whole lot. It, it usually, one, I told you it's a request for change, but it tells you there's, there's some kind of problem somewhere, but it's not telling you where it is or what it is. It's, it's not that easy. You know, it's not like, hey, I'm over here, X marks the spot. If you just go here, we're all good. Sometimes it is because if you treat where it hurts and it gets better and it goes away, well, awesome. That's great. That's what you want. But if it doesn't, well, then you're obligated, in my opinion, to think bigger, think, think differently and, and is this, change your sorry. thought process. Mm. Yeah, and is sorry. this where you, um, as a practitioner, then started to realize some of the um, very deep links between how someone's lymphatic system is working and how efficiently the blood flow system is working um, between those two things and pain? Yeah, absolutely. And I only mm. came to that realization through my own suffering. Wow. I mean, I only, I only ventured into looking at lymph because I almost died and I had a physical breakdown and a nervous breakdown and I was at my, I was lost and I wasn't getting any answers through medicine. I was getting worse and I wasn't getting any answers through my, my usual approach. And until I came across looking at the, I found the lymphatic system and, you know, that's basically the waste management system of your body to get rid of the toxins, which I never even thought about in my, I mean, I'm in the medical field. I didn't even think about it. Right. But yeah, here's the thing. When I, when I couldn't get better, I kept asking myself, why not? Mm. And, and then I, I, I forget the book that I read, but they said this. They said, you know, chronic disease, which can be considered chronic pain. I, I remember it was Dr. Jerry Tennant, who was a guest on okay. my show. Mm-hmm. You, you, you'll read something sometimes and you'll be like, holy cow. That's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that's it. Chronic disease slash pain, I'm throwing that part in there, uh, occurs when you lose the ability to make new cells that work. Just think about that for a moment. 
Chronic disease occurs when you lose the ability to make new cells that work. Now that's a whole heap of common sense there, right? Because mm -hmm. if you could make new cells that work, you wouldn't be sick. <laughs> because when, they when the cycle completes itself. Because you're supposed to get yeah. sick. You're supposed to have pain. That's life. But you're not supposed to stick with it. Yeah. So if you can't get better, that means the cells, you can't make new ones. So then the next logical thought process on my whiteboard is, what in the world do you need to make a new cell that works? That makes sense, right? It needs a lot of stuff. I mean, more so than we can contemplate. I mean, you could break it down into all these formulas, but that doesn't do me any good. But I made it simple. Like when you're talking to the five-year-old, it's pretty simple. A cell needs to get the nutrients or the groceries in order to have what it needs to run its parts or make new. So what are some fundamental nutrients that everybody needs? Water, oxygen, and fundamental nutrients, you know, from food, from good quality food. Right? And those are three big ones. So it needs that. And then it also needs to get rid of the toxins or the waste when it uses the nutrients, which we've talked a little bit about before. So it has to get groceries and garbage out. If it can't do that, then you can't make a new one. It's that freaking simple, right? Like, so then I thought to myself, how can I influence that? Most people are uh, trying to do the uh, supply side. Yeah. They focused the, on the groceries. Yep. A ton of groceries. They'll throw all these supplements in. They'll throw all this food in. They'll do all these breathing techniques. They'll do all the supply side. And I say to myself, dude, the cells can't get the supplies. You got too much crap in there. The first thing you got to do is you got to start to begin to clean things out. And the number one system to do that, that nobody ever pays attention to, is the most neglected system in the body. And to my opinion, it's the most important one above even your brain, because your brain ain't going to work if your lymph doesn't work. And it's the lymphatic system. And most people go, lymph what? Like, I don't, I don't have cancer. What do I need to know about lymph for? Because that's usually the only time you'll hear about it. Or when you have what's called lymphedema, where you get a body part that grows 15 times the size of the other one and you're like swollen. But if you don't have that, what do I need to look at lymph for? Well, because that system is the one that keeps the toxins coming out. And it's the system that determines, hang on for it, that determines if the nutrients can get in or not. Mm. Right? Right. So all you got to do is, begin to work with the lymph so stuff can get out. And then at the same time, you'll work with the blood flow because the blood is actually how you'll get to get flow to the lymphatic system, but to the cells of the body, because that's what blood flow is for. And if you can help those, you'll help somebody get better. So if I have a moment, I'll expand on that. If you're okay with that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Go for it. So let's say that person has that neck pain. Mm -hmm. So they've got damage there of what? Probably a lot of stuff. So if you damage something, you're trying to heal it, correct? Mm -hmm. So when, you, when people go into therapy and they get treatment, 
They're going there to reduce pain, yes, but they're trying to reduce what goes with tissue trauma, inflammation and swelling. Yeah. Trying to get that away, which is what? Waste. Yeah. And they're trying to get blood flow in through movement and heat pads and all that stuff to get in and out. Mm. And they'll do it right here. Right, right, like, right on the site is what you're saying there. Yeah, 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 yeah. and that's good. Yeah, but you got to remember that that's only one isolated spot. <laughs> there's a whole body attached to that spot. Yeah, there's no such thing as an isolated injury in the body. Mm. So the blood flow that's got to go to your neck and the lymph flow that's got to go to here, they attach to bigger pipes and bigger things somewhere else. Yeah. So you can have an issue where you can't get the flow out of your neck or into your neck because you've got a restriction further down in the deeper part of your body, Mm -hmm. which is usually going to be like in your chest, behind your sternum or in your abdomen. Mm. That's the big blood flow to the body. Yeah, I've seen you doing some pumping kind of massage movements on people on um, your videos. Well, that's the big pipe, right? That's that's the fire hose of blood flow called your aorta. Mm. And it's like, if I block the flow there, you're in big trouble everywhere. Mm -hmm. Right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to treat your neck, of course, but I look at it this way. I got to make sure the body can get what it needs to do what I'm trying to help it with. Yeah. Out and in. So I check all the areas of the body where you can have an obstruction preventing that from happening. Because here's what people don't understand in medicine. They forget that the whole thing works together. They forget that all the systems of the body work together. Right. And I mean, musculoskeletal, muscle, facet, ligament, joint, but also immune system, organ Mm -hmm. systems, all those things, you cannot affect one without the other. So I always say that no system in the body ever works alone, ever. When you injure one, you injure them all. When you want to heal from one, you got to use them all. Right. So I see it all the time, all the time. I'll have somebody who has a restriction in lymphatic flow, which is waste drainage or blood flow in an area far removed from where their pain is. Hmm. And that's the block. That's the block Hmm. because the whole system functions as one. And when I, when I block one area, the rest of the body has to say, Holy cow, guys, wait a second. Perry's got a blockage behind his left knee. What are we going to do about this? Mm-hmm. So it compensates and adapts. Yeah. It changes your habits and your behaviors. One of them being how you move. Mm-hmm. Maybe it changes how you move your neck. Right. And why is it doing that? Protection. It, it doesn't mean it's protecting you. It, the protection doesn't have to be from where the pain is. It's, it can be protecting another area that you don't know hurts. Mm. That you don't know hurts. So one of my fundamental principles based in um, human behavior, based in psychology, based in the brain is this. We know we've got a subconscious mind and a conscious mind, correct? Mm-hmm. 
We think consciously that we're ruling our choices during the day, but you're not. Most of your choices are made in the background subconsciously, and you think you're driving the bus with your conscious mind, but you're really not. Yeah. So, because your past experiences are feeding your your decisions. Yeah, it's and, like 95% of us is past experience by the time we're 35. Yeah, so it's it's the subconscious to conscious. So mm. what makes us unique is that we can use the conscious mind to try to change the subconscious to a certain degree, but the subconscious mind's always going to win when it comes to pain. Mm. And so you've got that big imbalance that's happening, right? And that's very prevalent in movement too. So very little of your brain is devoted to conscious movement. Mm-hmm. It's about 10%. The other 90% of how your body moves is reflexive. It's involuntary. You, you can't control what it does. It does it on its own. Because if you had to think about everything you did, you wouldn't move because your brain would explode. Yes. <laughs> so what does that mean? It means that I need to pay attention not to the pain that you're aware of. So that's conscious pain. So when you come in to see me and your neck hurts, you're pretty conscious that your neck hurts, right? Yeah. You already know that it hurts. You know, medicine's just going to put a big fancy Latin name to it. That's all they're going to do. Mm. But you already know it hurts. But that's not the one, in my opinion, in my approach, that's driving your behavior. Mm-hmm. You think it is because it's always there. What I'm going for is the subconscious part that you don't know about. So there's a phrase that I use. I have a lot of phrases. <laughs> you do. <laughs> this has been one of the most powerful ones that I've ever used personally and way I teach now. I go after the pain that you don't know about to help the pain that won't leave you alone. Nice. So what does that mean? The neck won't leave you alone. I'm going to treat that, of course. But what I do during my examination is I'm going to search for areas on your body that probably hurt you way more than that, that you don't feel Mm. until I stick my fingers there. Mm -hmm. And then you do. And here's my, here's my joke, but I'm completely serious is that you've always known that that other pain is there. Mm. You just didn't consciously know it. And the subconscious mind is the one that drives your behaviors most of the time. So So what does that mean in my world? Let me give you the example. Yeah. Let's say it was the neck pain on the right and I'll tie it to my hypothetical that maybe you had the big block or big pain in the back of your knee. You picked Mm. it, doesn't matter. Mm. And I put my finger there and then you squirm in pain or you pull your leg away or you go, ah, that hurts. Mm. That's the box. Yeah. My acupuncturist is so good at doing this. Yeah. Right. Because they're Mm. they're following energy line and meridians because they Mm. know that these communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. So in my world, I treat both. Yeah. And then more often than not, that improves. Mm-hmm. So that's why I do a, such an, a thorough and intense examination by hand 
after I watch you move and after I look at your body language and how you're interacting with the world. And it's something that I think is really missing in medicine today are physicians that are really good and skilled at touching and assessing by hand on a patient Mm. because now they fall back so much on outside testing and validation for insurance purposes or to may look at something for maybe um, um, legal reasons. Like I got to make sure I don't get sued. So I'm going to do 500 different tests. Mm. So they'll, they'll, let me give you an example. They'll, they'll run a blood test and say, we don't find anything on the blood test. And meanwhile, you're not feeling well, I'm going to put you on my table and I'm going to stick my fingers under your right rib cage on your liver. Mm. And if you jump, I don't care what your blood test says. I know you've got some issues with your liver being able to function and move well, which is just not showing up on a blood test yet. But you're feeling the effects from it because you haven't swung far enough along the pendulum yet for medicine to say that you're 1.5 and then 1.6 is abnormal. As soon as you Mm. get to 1.6, we'll take a look. I'm like, how about you stop me before I get there? Yeah. It's broken, isn't it? Well, you know what? I think they're doing the best that they can with what they've got. But oh, absolutely. What they're, not, what they're not doing is looking at the possibility of coming at it from a different angle. Mm. And I really think that that's one of the reasons why, if you look around in the world today, we're not healthier, we're sicker. I don't care what you tell me. Like, we've got more chronic pain. Back pain is worse than ever. It's not getting better. We have more autoimmune disease than ever before. We've got kids that are getting diagnosed more than before, the autism and all these behavioral disorders. Whatever we've got going on right now is broken and making us worse. But we keep going down that road. And here's why I think that that is. Most of those diseases are lifestyle diseases, right? How you live your life, the habits and behaviors, what you expose yourself to, sometimes voluntarily, but sometimes you just can't escape toxicity. Let's go mm. live in the woods somewhere. So, but medicine tries to treat lifestyle diseases like they treat infectious disease. Mm, so so infectious, true. infectious disease means they're looking for one thing to blame and give you a drug for the one thing. Mm. So if I kill the bacterium or I kill the virus or whatever, then you should be good. It doesn't work like that with lifestyle diseases because it's a buffet of soup of things that mix together that may or may not cause something to be a catalyst for a person, Mm. right? So their approach is trying to manage symptoms or stop symptoms and symptoms are just a healing, a healing response. So they're chasing the symptoms, but they're not looking at the initial insult that they need to go for. So, but mm. we need to treat symptoms because I don't want you to suffer for goodness sakes. Yeah, yeah. But how about you do that and instead of giving me oxycodone and Percocet to dim? I appreciate that because it freaking hurts. But can you look for the root cause of it at the same time? Mm. So I don't have to stay on those short game, long game. Yeah, and yeah. not to mention that there's a reason there's an opioid epidemic in the world yeah. today because they're highly addictive. 
and you need more of them. You become psychologically dependent on them. And plus, you're going to massacre the ever-living hell out of your liver when you take those things. Mm. And I'm going to tell you that probably the reason you're in pain is because you have a liver that was overloaded to begin with before you started throwing Percocet at it. Then you're just, you know, you boom, 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 feed, 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 feed. But every system has a break point, a tilt point. And the body is always trying to protect you. And it's very resilient. And it's, it does all that stuff in the background. And it does a pretty good damn job. But you want to know how the body lets you know that it can't do it anymore without your help? What's the signal? Pain. Congratulations. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the same. Yeah. That's the and so let's talk about how we can start to um, become better eliminators and we can increase our blood flow. Like, what would a daily practice look like? Um, obviously, exercise, movement, but people are so confused about what's even right to do there. You know, like I just, the I feel like, yeah, too. the over, exactly, the overcomplication strikes again. Um, if you were to say, gee, I wish everyone would do this as a base level from this point on, and it would really start us moving in the right direction, what would that be? That's a great question. I will preface it to say that it can be different for everybody, but I'm a big basics and fundamental kind of person. Mm. And a lot of times people don't do the basics and the fundamentals because one, they just seem like too boring or it's not enough. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. A lot of times people don't get well because they're doing too much, mm-hmm. especially in the world of fitness or exercise. You know, yeah. they, they over, they overdo it. Or what happens is they do the same things all the time. They don't have enough what they call variation, variability, and variety or in the world of neuroscience. It's called novelty or difference. Mm. Do something different. So habits and behaviors are routines. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I have people do is just start to do uh, in relationship just to movement. First of all, don't just exercise because exercise is a man-made term. That exercise is just a form of movement. Mm-hmm. Moving and exercise are not the same thing. In my opinion, most exercise will make you worse because it's very repetitive. Mm. So I like for people to do movement and do more of the type of movement that you used to do when you didn't worry about following an exercise routine and you move more like when you were a kid. Yeah. You were younger. Through play you know, and yeah. You play and you go outside and you explore things and you don't get caught up and I don't know if I'm moving right or wrong. Mm. Well, congratulations. If you can get to that point, then you're already doing better because I don't believe in right or wrong movement. I just believe in different movement. So one of the things for that I tell people to do is one, just start very simple. Just start to move more of yourself than you do now more often, right? Which doesn't mean you have to move an hour at one time because you don't have the time, but you could take two minute movement breaks 10 times a day. Mm. That's better. I'd rather you do that than one fifth, one hour clip and then just sit like a slug, right? Yeah. What they call a sea squirt. Sea squirt <laughs> sits on the bottom of the sea floor and doesn't move again and actually digests its own brain because it doesn't have to move anymore. Mm. So you move more of yourself more often, more ways. More ways means what? Differently than you do now, right? 
Like a very simple one is just jump up and down on the balls of your feet for 60 seconds straight, three times a day, you'll change your life. Mm. I love you don't it. even have to leave the ground. Your heels can leave the ground, keep the balls of your feet on the ground. And trust me, you're going to make a change in your body. And you're going to move a lot of stuff. Cause when's the last time anybody ever did that? Mm. That's one of the reasons why you're going to get better. Cause you don't do it now. You're just doing something different. Move more of yourself more often, more ways and more environments. Love that. So what I want you to do Very is change, I want you to change where you move. Mm-hmm. Preferably outside, which is difficult to do these days, depending on where you are honestly, with with the pandemic, but changing of the environment is probably one of the most powerful ways to make a change in your life because that's novelty and that's different. They even have a complete field of neuroscience devoted to it. It's called environmental neuroscience. Mm. And they look at how the brain completely changes and your habits and your behaviors based on your environment. So manipulating your environment is one of the ways that you can change pain quite a lot. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a big thing. So I call that adaptive movement. You do those and you'll learn to become more adaptive and more resilient and you'll put less stress on yourself. And then I, I tell people, I want you to practice more inconvenient movement, mm-hmm. okay. which means most of us move and do things based on convenience, which means I'm going to sit in a chair because it's way more convenient than sitting on the floor. I'm, I'm going to take the escalator because it's way more convenient than taking the stairs. I'd like for you to do inconvenient movement just a little bit more. Right? Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, if you start to spend more time on the ground, any way you want, mm-hmm. you're going to change pain. Wow. Why? Because you're going to be forced to move more than you do now because you're going to feel pressure on areas that will force you to move. And you're going to explore areas that you never did before. And trust me, going to the ground is going to be an environment you probably haven't been to in a while on purpose. (laughs) Mm. Most people go to the ground if they've had a rough night out or something or if they fall. Yeah. But it goes back to this too. Where did you learn to move in the first place? On the ground. There you go. Mm-hmm. Right. So your nervous system never forgets anything. So you'll go back to movement patterns that make you that were d- developed for a reason on the ground to help you become a better mover when you're on two feet. Mm-hmm. Plus, when you go down to the ground and you come back up again, it takes an enormous amount of strength and coordination to bring your own body weight against gravity mm-hmm. because you're the weight. Now. Yeah, you're the weight. So doing those and going down to the ground and doing that are really, really massive and towards making a difference for someone. And just some of those small little daily um, habits that you do. Like I tell people this, if you, if you just woke up in the morning and you immediately had yourself a glass of water with a little lemon in it would be great or you know minerals are even better or electrolytes because most people are low on electrolytes one glass and then i just want you to stand on up and you do that jumping up and down on the balls of your feet as you breathe in and out through your nose only not your mouth Mm -hmm. because when you breathe through your nose you'll use your diaphragm more and you'll deliver more uh what's called nitric oxide to your blood vessels and that'll expand. You'll move your lymphatics quite nicely because most people get very tight and stiff in the morning because the lymphatics become congested at night. Mm. 
And then, you know, you just start to hop around and you move your arms and you wave your arms, right? And then the first thing that's going to happen too is you're probably going to freaking smile a little bit as well. So you're going to start your day off with that. Yeah, you just start there and, you know, that can make a huge difference. Honestly, something just like like that. So like I said, pain is a request for change, right? I want Mm -hmm. you to change something different than than you're doing now even if it's a very small one, because that's the ripple. Mm. That's a ripple effect. I love it. I could talk to you all day, but I'm going to uh, wrap us up there. And just for anyone who's now thinking, oh my gosh, I need to widen my lens here. I need to look at my whole body, how I'm moving much more generally um, and stop isolating everything so much and focusing on one area please join Perry on Instagram. You're so generous with what you share, videos, explanations, techniques. Uh, it brings this conversation today to life and it I know will be the start of a huge learning journey for a lot of listeners. So thanks so much for joining me. It's so great to meet you after following your work for a while. And, uh, and I really appreciate um, the work you do. I know you do um, long seminars, one and two day online events. Are they geared at practitioners? Is this something anyone can jump in and join? Let us know just to wrap up a little bit about how we can take a next step. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so very much for having me on your show. I had a really wonderful time. I mean, I, I think we hit what they call the flow state, which mm. means it. You're in a zone and then two hours go by and you're like, yeah. where, did, where did the time go? <laughs> I ditched my questions a long time ago. And, yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's how we framed it. We're just going to yeah. go where, where it takes us, right? And mm. so thank you very much for that. But yeah, if you if you want to find more about what I do, uh, it's Stop Chasing Pain. If you type that in, you'll, trust me, you'll find some stuff that I'll show up. And most of my stuff that I share is on Instagram. It's probably my favorite Uh, platform. But the website will connect you to all my social media outlets. And I do offer a lot of education for people. And I get that question a lot. Like, uh, you know, I'm I'm not a healthcare professional. Can I come to my course? And my answer is always the same. If you're a human being on this earth, you qualify for my class. Mm. So it's designed to teach people of all different levels. So I take subjects and make them very simple, but I make them very applicable for anybody to use because everybody has a right to learn about their body and anatomy and physiology. And I don't want them to be intimidated by it, by by the words and things, because you shouldn't be. It's like any other subject. And I do teach uh, classes that are in two days long and they're via webcast. And I usually have them on a regular basis. And I've got new ones launching all the time. And we have a membership site where you can just jump on in and we have about 900 videos that you can choose from. So you can get lost in there for a little while. And then we have <laughs> maybe other your neck will get better. Yeah. <laughs> probably, you know, and so that we have other formats, like maybe just an hour long video. So it's a little something for everyone mm. in there that you can go through. Yeah. And I'd love to have people if they want to, join us or if you just drop a note to say hi the the instagram i'm the only person that runs my social media Mm. so when you send a message to me i see it yeah and i get it 
and I'll always reply to you. That's because it's just a way that I love to share information. And you know, as well, thank you very much for having me on your show. I'm very grateful. I had a, a very good time. Oh, very, very you. good time. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you have a beautiful evening. And uh, who knows, we may do a part two someday. I'm always down for that. I mean, I, I can talk for a long time on these. I, I get that about subjects. you. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a passion of mine, without a doubt. So if, I'm sorry if I just kind of went on a lot on some things. I just love it so much that I'll, boom, you just pull the ripcord on the back and Perry will keep going. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Perry. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social on Instagram at Lotox Life or one word or my personal Instagram uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at Lotox Life. Uh, and of course, lotoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a low-tox life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Low-Tox Club for just $49 Australian per year, which is about $29.30 US, about €27 and about £25. You get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lotoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and you'll see join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.